Yo, and welcome to the 93rd episode of Lake of Rage, a Pokemon trading card game podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Clementi, aka Mellow underscore Magikarp. I'm joined today by two very special temporary guest hosts. Joining us for the first time in a couple of weeks, we have Locke, aka Del Locke. Hey, what's going on, Mellow? <laughs> and joining us for the first time in a while, we have Nikhil, aka the Gyroscope Eevee. How's it going, everybody? Thanks for having me on, Mellow. Got a very special episode for y'all today. We're going to talk a little about the OCIC results, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the official stream, good, bad, etc., because I feel like that's something that I've wanted to talk about for a while, and we've just been having this constant like, okay, let's have this guest to talk about this, this guest to talk about this, and I think this is the perfect time after OCIC to talk about what's good, what's bad, why is it slightly different than it is at regionals and ICs, and all that other good stuff. But first, I want a little bit of a catch up with both of my guests because it's it's been a little while since we've talked to you. And uh, Nikhil, I know you've done some cool stuff in Pokemon. So what have you been up to in Pokemon lately? So since the last time I've been on, which was just before Astral Radiance uh, had its first regional, um, I took over the league ownership of the Pokemon League here at Ohio State. I started that in December, so I passed the organizer's test. I got like handed over the, the league and everything. Um, our league is kind of strange. Um, because we're not a store, we don't get any of the product. There's a great man up in Northern Ohio named Ryan Patterson, who is very kind, and he uses the Ohio State Student Union um, to host his like league cups and challenges usually, because it's just a really great event space and he likes it over his store. Um, and so we have a league here that he'll bring like pre-release kits down and stuff for us. And he's doing that with like Scarlet and Violet. Um, and so I've been running that for the past, past few months. And then this past weekend, we just ran um, the first event that I put on, which was a win a box. We had a good showing um, considering um, the amount of advertising we did. Also considering that it costs money to park here. Um, which was definitely like something that scared people away. And um, we're trying to just grow the competitive scene here in general, but we had a good showing. We had a good amount of people showed up. Uh, it was fun. It was a really good time. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing in Pokemon for the last like four months now almost. Yeah. I do have to say, I've definitely driven away from a League Cup before because you had to pay for parking. It was one of those, I like the store, I like the TO, it's nearby, but you have to pay hourly for parking. And it's like, oh, yeah. if I'm going to make top cut, like this is going to end up costing me like 40 or $50 to park. Like that's not, <laughs> that's a scam. I don't know if it's probably not that bad on a college campus. It's not, I assume. It's yeah. not too bad. We have like a, on the weekends, there's like a max. It's like 10 bucks for like the full day at a point. So like, I think it's after like four hours you hit that number. And so it wasn't too bad, but it definitely was like the reason we cut it down to like $10 entry. Cause it was like, well, we feel bad for everyone has to pay like another $10 to park here um but it was a really good time i had a ton of fun running it yeah that's awesome that's one of those things that i want to start getting into at some point is getting professorship and all that because playing yeah. is very fun but once you have the baby it's like oh i should probably give back <laughs> to the community in a way that's a little less time consuming that might be how i go to like a couple regionals as i might judge because a lot of the columbus judges have like a lot of connections to especially uh aj and his judge group so um, I might try and weasel my way into judging a couple of regionals here and there. Locke, what have you been up to in Pokemon lately? Uh, I've been doing a bunch of Lugia regionals. Uh, I skipped San Diego, but uh, at Arlington, I lost my win in against Kyrum because I went Pokemon Pass <laughs> twice. And then at Orlando, I went 6-3. I lost a, a bunch of lost boxes, and I just destroyed a bunch of uh news so let's go not bad losing a kiram is uh <laughs> that just feels yeah. bad that's just like i lost a giratina <laughs> in toronto and i was like what how like you should never lose this as lugia i hate this deck with a passion but yeah lugia things right 2020 yeah. is uh kind of bad yeah. <laughs> i'm kind of all lugia yeah so i might i'm probably not playing lugia for like the rest of these uh for upcoming regionals when we get to the results i'll talk about what i like right now so i'm not i'm not going to spoil that one because i will give everyone my full-on i wish i could go to knoxville to play this deck opinion 
But uh, real quick on myself, too, because I never give updates. I'm excited because I went to Tabletop Village earlier. Shout out Tabletop Village in Seattle, Washington. But uh, we're setting up the streaming again. So the Sunlot Gauntlet, the Sun Moon Lost Thunder Gauntlet has stopped because the store is being renovated. And part of that renovation, a lot of stuff. But part of it is the streaming setup is getting changed a bit. So we're getting that perfected. So the Sun and Moon Lost Thunder Gauntlet on the YouTube channel will be back. But most importantly... Uh, I will start to be able to do some tabletop gameplay for post-rotation Scarlet Violet stuff as well. Going to be honest, we're not going to be quite the level of Mahone's like beauty of everything, but we're going to be a step below it. We're going to be right up there with the Omnipoke levels of like how it's going to look. So it should be pretty solid. I'm excited for that in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a little while. And also because my next regional's Portland in May. And so I am like, I'm still playing this format because I like playing Pokemon, but I am way more excited for post-rotation stuff than I am for uh, playing more of this format. <laughs> but a lot of people have a lot of stuff in this format. We have Knoxville, we have Fort Wayne, we have something in the... Is it straight UK or is it Europe? I know there's something in Europe, but I don't know where it is. There's there's like uh netherlands regional march 18th i know of i think there's one more okay um, i only know the netherlands one because i know judges from here that are trying to go there <laughs> bro that's why you judge anyway there's at it's least one in eu if not a second one and then there's vancouver and yeah there's a lot of stuff still to happen in this format and we just had four more i said again four more Four, yeah. There's also Bochum, yeah. There's the German regionals too. That's disgusting. <laughs> Why is this? This is so long. But uh, anyway, OCIC recently happened, and I do have to give a shout out to the host of a rival podcast. That is no rival podcast, right? We're all friends. Uncommon Energy squad. Azul GG took the dub. Someone from the squad. That is true. Someone we've had on the podcast multiple times before he spawned off on his own. Uh, took the dub, <laughs> and most importantly, the first dub with Lost Zone, right? Yeah. Uh, like, like this, this format, this format. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Format. Yeah. And that's I don't know. I think that's super cool. This format has been dominated by Lugia, and then the occasional other stuff has been winning too. And like Lost Box has been this constant, like, yo, the deck's broken, right? Is the deck actually broken? Did Azul crack the code? <laughs> Is this the perfect sixty, or was it like? great player plays great deck and eventually has great result. like what are y'all thinking about this one i mean so i've kind of told everyone that like goes i played a lot at locals um i love lost box because i like the intricacies of the deck but when sky seal stub was printed i was like wow this card is stupid um and i figured that if you're a high level player playing lugia just doesn't seem correct to me um, if you have the ability to put the time in and the ability to like play Lost Box well, Sky Seal Stone Drapion, Sky Seal Stone Dragonite is pretty stupid. Like um, taking an extra prize is pretty awesome. So I don't think it was just that Azul is like a great player. I also think the deck is just very good. And I think them taking out the Kyogre um, and like putting it energy into other like lines was definitely cool and like something that like I think definitely benefited Azul this weekend. Are you in the same boat? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I actually watched like like a Zathos TCG video on like the top 32 deck lists. Mm -hmm. And even the non Azul group, the list that were lost zone boxes, they were like two to four cards off. It's pretty similar. I'm also to, looking uh, at Rot, yeah. Pedro's list right now from top eight. And I think what Pedro has a Zamazenta and a Raikou V. And Azul had the zero aura and no Zamazenta and so no metal energies. Yeah. And otherwise, yeah, it's all one boss, four chorus. You know, that, that stuff's all the same, right? And the two rod, yeah. one recycler is the norm if you're not running a Kyogre. Which I think it's super cool that they finally put down the Kyogre. The Azul and Grant and etc. group has been running Kyogre for literally every event this format. We played one event with control. <laughs> oh, that's right. Regional. Yeah, yeah. They did Orlando with control. And they finally realized, like, oh, maybe we can play something besides Kyogre. And they came back to Lost Box still, but I think it's interesting. The Kyogre is gone. And I do have to say this. So I was originally going to be like, I'm going to go to San Diego. And then I didn't get the spot. And then I was like, 
I hate everything. I'm not going to go anyway. And the thing, one of the decks I was playing was a lot of Kyogre for that because Kyogre is incredibly fun. But I really like the idea of just cutting the Kyogre package because if I see a water energy as a Lugia player or anything, I'm playing around Kyogre. Locke, you played a lot of Lugia. Is it? Are you kind of in that same boat even now of like, I'm going to play around Kyogre even if I haven't seen it yet? Yeah, because even... Even if you haven't seen the Kyogre, you'll you'll eventually see like two the two rods and a recycler. So and they're gonna play Greninja anyway, so you're gonna need your Manaphy regardless. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. I think you play around the Kyogre, so you can just cut the Kyogre, right? And that's it does hurt you in some matchups, technically. <laughs> uh it technically makes your Mew matchup worse, but that's why both Pedro and Azul's group played the Drapion with the Sky Seal Stone, which then make sure you match up probably super free, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so you lose that one. Uh, I assume the what's it called? The Reggie's matchup gets worse, though. That's like the one downside of going one less recycler and no Kyogre. But that seems fine. I assume. Yeah. Yeah. The, the double Kyogre play was a it was a dream scenario yeah. anyway so but even then pulling it off <laughs> once to get a two prize turn is is necessary right you can't just go one to one and win that matchup right but yeah the double the double kyogre play is uh i i've tried it it's technically doable the resources do exist in the deck <laughs> it's uh uh they played the dragonite v which i think is like another option and it's a little bit more feasible to like use because it's a two an attacker that hits twice essentially mm-hmm. um unless they're playing like the the other reggie drago which i don't think a single reggie list that did well did um but i think that's like kind of their argument is like the drag knight can take two hits from the reggies and then kill two reggies so it's like you can take you're not going one for one the entire time um plus you can save a lie at some point i think which is like i think that's kind of where their group's mindset might have been yeah, I think it's also like, would you, why would you even tech for Reggie? He's going into OCIC. So <laughs> cutting, I mean, shout out to Rahul and Sam Chen for doing incredibly well with Reggie's. Reggie's is definitely a deck that exists. But uh, cutting the Kyogre turned out to be good. You just get those extra deck space back for other good cards, right? Play the Drapion, the Mew matchup's still good because you still have to tech for Mew for some reason. Uh, we saw also a lot of Lugia. It was about 50%, 5-0. I have to specify that. About 50% of the day two meta was Lugia. Does this, you know, 500-person tournament that included the top 22 from EU, the top 16 from NA, top 8 from LADAM, and then all the best Australian players, and like a dozen top Japanese players, does this solidify Lugia as like, no, it is truly the BDIF. Like, occasionally I have people on Twitter who are like, eh, it's not really that BDIF. But like, I don't know. Is this Does this solidify it as like, yeah, this thing is? Nikola, you're shaking your head, yeah. It's the same thing as like when Garbara came out, when Guard of War GX came out, like uh, ADP. It, it feels like those formats where it's, you're playing the deck that's the BDIF or you're trying to beat it somehow. And if you're not beating it, you're not winning the regional. That's just, like, the fact of, the, like, that's why we saw Lost Box win. That's why we saw Vigavolt win, right? The decks that are winning regionals, they are built in a very aggressive way to beat some parts of Lugia. And that is exactly why they're doing well. Because you're not going to get very far if you cannot beat what is quite literally almost 30% of every form, every tournament this format. Locker also just like, yeah, cosign yeah. all that. Yeah, it, it, so what makes... Lugia different than all the other past BDIF decks were, is that Lugia is really a like 50 card deck and your last 10 cards is pick your counter decks that you want to attack against and then go off. <laughs> That's I think and you had mentioned that in the discord at one point when we were prepping for everyone else was prepping for some regional. I think that's the best way to put it, right? There's like, yeah. you know what cards are going to be there. Four Archaeops, four Research. Oh, maybe three Archaeops, whatever. You get the idea, right? Four Ultra Ball, four Quick Ball. But then you can be like, oh, do I want to run Raikou and more color energies? Do I want to run a Greed and VMAX that we saw get ninth place in Orlando? What do you want to run? And that is what's so terrifying about it. <laughs> it's like all the cards it can play are good. Like 
you're not just deciding between like Mew saying, oh, do I really want to run a third judge? Okay, that's cool. Lugia is deciding if they want to run a second Eveltal to Oko anything. Like that's that's a really good attack, it turns out. Who would have thought? So yeah, I think this solidifies Lugia. I was going to make a tier list of all the top decks, and I ended up not doing that for this upcoming YouTube video. So here's the spoiler. Uh, Lugia stands alone as S tier in my eyes. Does that mean Lugia is going to win Knoxville? No. Does that mean Lugia is not going to win Knoxville? I'm like, uh, <laughs> the deck is good. <laughs> yeah. Right? The question is now, okay, are the Lugias going to put Birdkeeper back in the deck with an Eldegoss? Are they going to play, you know, whatever texts are necessary for whatever matchups? Like, I don't know. That's that's future us problem, I guess. Yeah, like, like every single deck that you mentioned, like, oh, you're afraid of Palkia? Put in Birdkeeper. You're afraid of Control? But you can also do the like bird keeper or whatever. Keeper does and, help there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're afraid of like like lost zone or like Reggie, you can put in uh, lost cities, and you know. And when Aerodactyl was a thing, everybody put in Cologne. You can just tech for any single matchup ever. I'm still a fan like, of Lost City and Lugia. Just as an aside, literally no one <laughs> plays it, but I think it's so good. <laughs> I think on top of that, like we saw Andrew Hedrick, who won Orlando, won with a capturing, uh, capturing aroma, captivating aroma, capturing whatever aroma. that is. The, yeah, he just played like one more consistency card because, like, well, he felt confident in enough matchups where his fifty nine, his sixtieth card could just be plus one to his consistency, and it's already stupid that Lugia has probably one of the most insane consistency packages I think in the history of Pokemon, like. Research plus um, Luminion plus things like Ultra Ball, Quick Ball, and Evolution in sense like we're looking at maybe one of the most consistent packages of trainer cards ever. Like in my opinion, I think this is one of the reasons why like we as a group had constantly kept going back to Arceus B Barrel because I was like, "Yo, I can play four Quick Balls and four Ultra Balls. Like I'm never gonna miss my turn one Arceus." And Lugia's the same vibe of like, I'm never going to miss. I have four quick balls, four ultra balls. I have all the incense. I have three to four capture energies. Like the, the deck just has everything and room to tech. And it's so disgusting. Yeah. Um, also, featuring, so we mentioned the Reggie's a little bit. Is there anything super cool about Reggie's that either of you wanted to get into? The Jirachi. <laughs> okay, we can go all the way down to that one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's uh, just so cool. What was it that actually Peter that at 45th place played Reggie's with a radiant Jirachi in it, and that won my win a box actually. Um, <laughs> uh, because he played against Palkia and it had an ice cue, and his out to beat the ice cue was he flipped double heads on Jirachi to kill it. Um, because there's no wash energy on it. Oh, that's really funny, actually. I didn't even think yeah. of that. That's how he got through, and it was really. But it's like the Jirachi was such a cool concept because, like, it's like okay, well, if you don't kill this, I'm just gonna keep flipping coins until I kill something. And when you do kill it, unless you put a path in play, I get to look for the rest of the pieces for my Reggie combo. Um, I just think that was like one of the coolest things on stream. Also, when he rolled the dice off the table, was just like really funny. Um. <laughs> I have to talk about this list real quick because I just pulled it up. This list feels like the ultimate trust your testing list I've ever seen. So you would think it's Reggie's with Radiant Jirachi. No, no, no. There's only two professors research. Wow. What are you doing with those other supporter slots? You're playing a copycat, a Zinnia's Resolve and a Roxanne. In addition to that, there is a one of battle VIP pass, one of energy lotto, one of Ultra Ball <laughs> and the one of Escape Rope. And you would be, oh, there's probably Pokestop with that. No, <laughs> just Path of the Peaks. <laughs> this list, if someone showed me this list, I would say that is the ultimate on a copium. You don't know how to build a deck. And clearly, clearly it worked out, right? This is trust your testing, y'all. If this this pile of everything worked so well. Heck, <laughs> good for them. <laughs> All right, so Reggie's outside of that one, Rahul's list was kind of normal and good. Reggie's a good deck. Reggie's is always going to be a good deck. I think that's something that a lot of people don't seem to understand. There's this constant and Locke, you played a lot of Lugia, so your experience might be different than mine, but it also might be about the same. 
you have Dunsparce, Manaphy, and Lugia, that doesn't win you the Reggie matchup straight up. They play four path to the peak. You can't realistically get your Lugia, your Dunsparce, your Manaphy, your Pumpkaboo, and double Archeops. Can you? Yes, it's technically possible, but not all the time. And I think that's one of the most underrated parts of Reggie's to me is just like you can tech for it as Lugia, but you still have the paths you have to deal with. Mew still has to deal with those paths and the Gigas. Like there is a lot in that Reggie deck. I don't know, Locke, if you're agreeing, disagreeing with the Lugia matchup side. Oh, yeah. Like if you look at Brainerd Hill, uh, that's like one of the very few decks that has like a positive record against uh, Lugia. Yeah, I think it, it's got to, it's fine. <laughs> it's a fine matchup, even if they have the Dunsparce Manaphy. It makes it harder. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I think Reggie's is in a good place always. And it's never broken, right? Reggie's just isn't good enough to be broken, but big fan, big fan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of sad. Reggie's is the deck that I definitely would have played the League Cups if they existed. It's like, oh yeah, it's got everything I want for a League Cup. It is tier two, which means no one's directly going to tech against it ever for a local. It's slightly janky, but also it gives you room to outplay your opponent, and that's where that's what I want for a League Cup because I will always win a League Cup with a deck like that. (laughs) The next one I want to talk about in top sixteen. The only deck we haven't mentioned yet, uh, there's Mew also. Mew exists. Congratulations, Mew. Um, Azul just won with a Drapion. Would I play Mew moving forward? No. Nikhil, would you play Mew moving forward? Not now. Maybe if Drapion's gone this weekend. Uh, like, if Mew kind of dies down a little bit next weekend, then maybe. But, uh, um, I don't know. Like, if you know your Mew, like you know, ability and, you know, you're confident in it. It's not, like, the worst thing to play, but definitely less than I would now because the Lost Box people are going to be like, okay, Drapey on Sky Seal Stone's getting good. I've just never understood the amount of people who play Mew. Not that, not literally who plays Mew. Mew is a good deck. You should play Mew. Mew should not be played in the numbers that it's played in. Like, Mew's, like, 10 to 15% of the meta at these, re- maybe not 15, it's like, 12, 13%. And it's, like, why <laughs> it's just so high <laughs> and it's like mew is a fine deck but it's not this is okay mew mew folks don't make it 10 percent of the meta please you're not gonna have a good time not right now uh, anyway the deck that i want to get into and the deck that i would play to knoxville regionals and i am hyping it up right now on the podcast which might make it a bad play <laughs> but since i'm not going i'm gonna hype it up We'll get to right after this break. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello. I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. And we are back. So the list that I want to talk about, and those of you who already know the standings, probably pretty familiar with this, but Cameron Chinoy at 16th place and Polaris, the winner of seniors. I got to shout out Polaris for sure. Vika Volt without Aerodactyl. Now I'm going to explain why I love this deck so much. And then I'll get into the other stuff. So one of the initial things is like, so I have done a few coaching sessions with Polaris in the past. He's the son of the owner of Tabletop Village. So it might be like, oh, yo, Mello's a big fan of this deck because, you know, the kid he knows wants seniors. Kind of, but not really. The real reason why, if you've been watching the YouTube content and you should be, you notice I keep saying Lugia doesn't play stadiums. Lugia plays vacuum, maybe like one vacuum, one Irida, and then a Pumpkaboo. And I've, I don't know how to take advantage of this. Cameron figured out how to take advantage of this. Some of you are like, I figured it out too. Good for you. You didn't tell me. So Cameron gets all the credit for it. Vikavolt with Path of the Peak. Path of the Peak shuts off. Ways to search Pumpkaboo shuts off Vacuum. So Lugia suddenly cannot bump it. 
So, yes, it's cool. The Aerodactyl going first, you get the turn two V-Star power. You do kind of just win the game usually, but this gives you the option going second, getting the turn one paralyzing bolt plus path to the peak. You got the forest seal stone, so it's hard, but it gives you the ability to do that, which is why I like it more than the Aerodactyl personally. What about your Mew matchup? You have Drapey on a Sky Seal Stone. You're Gucci. You beat Mew anyway. Who cares? <laughs> but I'm a big fan of this deck. I think Cameron did not do particularly well, and Cameron did not showcase the deck effectively on stream because they made Cameron play backwards, and he, they took their prize card from their deck by mistake, which is a whole other issue that we'll probably talk about in the second part of the podcast. But uh, I'm a big fan of the deck. I think it is a great play moving forward because I think everyone kind of looked at it as they always do with Vikavolt and are like, that's definitely a deck. One person high rolled with Vikavolt. And I think the actuality is Cameron did very well with Vikavolt, ended up losing a favorable matchup on stream to, you know, something that probably would not have happened off stream. Cameron's been playing a lot longer than I have, probably doesn't take prize cards out of their deck um ever except for that one game so i'm a big fan of this vehicle list specifically i think it is a good play for knoxville will anyone play to knoxville no because some of you are going to listen to this and be like that makes sense and then you're going to look at vehicle and say i'm not touching that trash this thing sucks <laughs> i promise you that's what a lot of people are going to do but i'm a big fan i think it's cool uh nikhil or Locke, tell me why i'm wrong not <laughs> I was not expecting I mean, that. I don't okay, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> like, I'm in. <laughs> watching Polaris play it, it just like reaffirmed the belief that Vika is just this. It's so good, and people still just don't talk about it because it's it's not like Lost Box, right? Where it has like a general concept for everything. Vika is very intricate. You have to know like what turns you can break the lock, what turns you can't break the lock, what happens when you the lock gets broken when you don't really want it to, right? We saw in round one, uh, Christian Has Hasanbi, um, he played against Gudra, and they kept Temple of Sinnohing him. And so he couldn't keep the, uh, like, the lock going because he actually didn't have a lightning energy technically on his active because he had speed lightning on it. Um, but he piloted it very well, and he took the first round um, against Gudra, which, when we saw the pairing, Locke and I were like, oh, wow, so this is, like, really bad. Mm -hmm. And then he won. Yeah. Um, but Vika seems insane. Like, Vika seems very strong. It Item lock is really good. I mean, Polaris, you know, used item lock really well in the finals. Um, Polaris also played very well, very, very well. Um, the Mew engine's really strong. I think the Mew is a very is a card that people kind of forget about sometimes, and it makes Vika super aggressively consistent, you know. Uh, turn one item lock is historically a pretty good thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, when you like Seismitoad was good, right? And people like Vikavolt's not as good because it doesn't get it as consistently. True. But when you do get it, it's pretty good. <laughs> Locke, are you going to agree with all the Vikavolt copium? Or are you going to tell us we're both wrong? Oh, no. Nah. Like, um, so Omnipoke does a video about. Um, what does well in the late night series. Mm -hmm. And so two weeks ago, he made the same comment that about Lugia. And that's where I picked up the um the item lock uh half of the peak. So if I actually have like a million dollars, I was actually gonna be playing um <laughs> like Vika Vol with Path of the Peak at OCIC. So like, Yeah. It's it's a, it's a very logical like thing to look at the list, and then once you figure it out what to do, which is the Vikavolt Path of the Peak, it's good. It seems good. I don't see why it's not good. I mean, I see why it's not good. If you've played Vikavolt, you know you do in fact scoop a handful of games because your deck relies on Melanie plus an attachment plus a switching card, which is you know a little tough sometimes. And then your Path of the Peak can technically body you also because you don't really have that much of a draw in the Lugia matchup. Who cares? But against something like a Reggie or whatever, who's going to play their own path or a Mew could path you and then you have to find your one of vacuum and, you know, that stuff can get a little tough. But otherwise, I, I, bro, I'm a big fan. This is this is the Vikavolt hype train or it's Vikavolt. I don't care. Oh. This is the Vikavolt hype train right now. <laughs> You can also do one of my favorite plays, which is use the baby Zapdos plus a Vika Volt, item lock Comfey, 
and then Zigzagoon paint because I can't scoop up it. And then you take a prize there and you do it to another Comfey. I love doing that. It's it's very fun to like be like, you know you're gonna lose this, but you can't do anything about it. That was also a very sick play in seniors. If you do want to play this deck, if I successfully encourage you to do it, go back and watch the seniors match because Polaris very clearly tested this matchup a lot the night before to be making these like incredibly high level plays. I think of just like, oh, this is great, right? Of like, oh, the Zamazenta's powered up. Okay, I'm going to go smack a comfy for 60. And that's the perfect of like, all right, do you want to hit me for not enough damage? That's going to cost you an energy to retreat. Or are you going to do nothing this turn and let me zigzagoon ping plus do whatever I want next turn? Yeah, it's it's a very cool play. I do also want to call out the uh, and we did have uh, Aaron on the father of Unichi who got uh, second place. I think his I think that deck was cool. I think that deck yeah. was like a super cool deck, right? So definitely something that the Zamazenta's in there and you know the baby attacker still. I think that deck was super cool. So the second place senior list is also <laughs> super cool. Yeah, I think uh I think his dad tweeted out the list uh yesterday or today. Uh, very cool. I think the Zamazenta's really sick. Uh Pedro also played it. Um, because you also play the I think Pe did Pedro play a Raikou? Pedro did play a right Kubi, yeah. Yeah, because you yeah. already played the medals for the Zam, so like it was kind of cool. It was a very cool deck. Um, you know, Pedro played uh, the Raikou V, and then he played the Zamazenta. Mm -hmm. um, and it, that's like a very strong like tool to like beat the uh, the Lugia matchup. And Zam is also very strong. Zamazenta is like really good in the Reggie matchup because uh, it takes like the minus 30. Um, it, yes. Yeah. yeah. I do so like the second playlist list a lot. Uh, the what's it called? The uh, Drago. The Drago does still Oko the Zamazenta, but that you yes. they force you to attack with the Drago, which sometimes can be annoying for Reggie, right? If they attack you with the Drago one turn, then you can go like, okay, now you have to find a switch card too, and then you can't scoop up net something, which lets up Sableye pings. But they have the Raikou, the AR Raikou. I guess that is the big difference, right? And the AR Raikou is, I'm a fan. That's such a cool card. 120, 120 as a single prizer is. It's just broken. It's just absolutely broken. <laughs> if that were printed as anything is a normal attack cost, that card would be like, oh, we need to ban this thing ASAP. Yeah. But because the attack cost it's, is so disgusting, it's like, oh, it's bad. No, nah, Mirage Gate exists. Yeah, it's a lot better because in Lost Marks because of Mirage Gate. I don't like it in Lugia because you dedicate a lot of energies of your Aurora energies to the Raikou to use it once. Um, but I love it in Lost Box because you play the Mirage Gates and you already play a lot of energy recoveries. So, like that's why I think the Raikou and the the Lost Box deck is like kind of sick. So I think that's a good like segue from the OCIC results. There was other stuff hanging around. There was some control. There was an Articuno at the bottom tables of day two. You know, there's other stuff that does exist. But I think that gives us a good idea. I want to talk about the stream or the stream experience, because I think there were some there's some positives and then there's some things that still need to be improved upon for the TPCI stream. And I want to start off with the first and foremost. I see streams are always better because they start in round one. Now, yep. <laughs> unfortunately, there are like union laws or whatever, not union laws, but like whatever it is. TPCI hires union employees. Union employees would have to be paid overtime to start the stream earlier. So it's yeah, a Pokemon is cheap. There you go. That was the way to word it. <laughs> uh, I don't have a brand that wants to potentially, you know, work with Pokemon companies. So I will say it. Um, Pokemon's cheap. They refuse to pay their employees more so they can create content, which people would watch. That's the thing. I will watch the entire nine round stream and hundreds of other people would too. And it's evident from the IC streams, but they just don't want to. And it sucks because the other thing they were saying is the casters even talked about, they like showing the juniors and seniors, but they don't do that because they like bringing you more games. The casters themselves that are brought by the Pokemon company to produce the, the games that we watch also want to show more games and they can't because Pokemon won't pay their employees more, which just like it it feeds an anger of mine that is Pokemon puts too much money into the streams in all the wrong places. Because the production is immense. <laughs> they do a lot yeah. of stuff, but it's a lot. 
the big KO thing in the background <laughs> didn't need that. Um, also, I can only imagine like the juniors or you know playing top like eight. That's very annoying, especially in the trading card game when our knockouts are not as cool as the video game. Video game makes sense, right? You can like shoot a Draco meteor and you blow something up, and then KO, right? That's cool. KO for us is taking a card out of a pile. Like it's, it just I don't understand why they gave us this giant animation that's like a flashbang. They love their flashbangs with live, um, so they you know had to give it IRL. It was so crazy when I first saw that. I did not believe they just did. I was like, I can't believe they did that. It was a weird addition, <laughs> to put it nicely. Um, but yeah, that's that's my biggest takeaway from every IC is just you show all the rounds. Why can't you just do this for all the regionals? And there's also the argument I've because I've heard this one come up as like a eh, well maybe because it's hard to find a good round one round two matchup, but. You just check Twitter, follow all the top players, find the salty tweet that they hit a competent opponent round one. Boom. There's a round one matchup between like Xander and Shemansky or whatever. Right. There's always one where it's like, that's a matchup I want to see. Like, it doesn't matter. They're both zero zero right now. These are both players who are going to be probably in day two unless you know, variance happens. Right. And I guess bad variance would also be hitting a top 16 player round one of a tournament. Right. We do that at ICs. That's the dumbest part. Is that like <laughs> any IC? The round one pairing was the finals of EUIC. It was Gustavo and Frank. But that's also just a very good game. Like, it, I don't think it's that hard to be like, we have access to every pairing. Let's just check them and see. Hey, let's find a good match. I do that. I just scroll through pairings when they go up on round one at regionals. I'm like, hey, look at that. Azul hit. Or Isaiah hit John Eng again. Let's watch that. Like those guys hit each other every regional. You have a guaranteed pairing. Like, come on. Another thing about the pairings that in addition is the matchups that they chose. And yeah. it felt different this time. Locke, what do you think of the matchups from OCIC compared to maybe not even compared to other regionals, but do you think that they picked like some good deck choice and meta and share and all that stuff, right? Yeah, so let me go back to the uh, first oh, part. Like, for sure. I think uh, for all the like old school, like do it yourself streamers that stream to regionals, they would just pick like whoever won the last regional and just, hey, let's see them defend their thing, even if they go against like a newbie player. Nope. So they'll just have them on round one. Yeah. But, it's that storyline thing we keep hearing yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. So this. For the second part about this uh, matchup thing, the thing I hate about regionals when they pick the matchups is because they would just go see, okay, let's pick these couple players with unique, interesting decks. And if they win their round, they're on stream next round. We don't care who their opponent is. So if a uh, Shininja deck goes against Control, whoops, there's their matchup. <laughs> I hated that one so much. <laughs> I was so it was like the yeah. first very unique deck we've had on in a while, and they gave it to us against Control, not Lugia, not Lost Box Control. And it's one of those where like this player is clearly going to be three one after this. You can still stream the them at gone. three one. That that's a good record, right? That's the. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, that was oh, Locke. You picked the wrong example because now I'm angry. But <laughs> you, you are right, though, that you notice that all the time where we even saw uh, Jeremy tweet this out after Orlando of like looking around for, you know, the Luna rocks and stuff like that. And it was like this. You were definitely going to be on stream. And this is a knock at Jeremy because I seeing Luna rock on a win and in would, in fact, be very sick. But you have to have that idea of like, oh, what is Luna rock playing against? Like if they're playing against uh you know, amazing rare Raikou, Sableye, Lost Zone box. That that's probably not the best for them. <laughs> that's you know, maybe we're not going to enjoy watching that matchup, right? People who finish the day with that one, I don't know if they want to come back to day two. <laughs> like, oh, that's what Pokemon is. Eh, that kind of sucks. So yeah, there is. This is one of the reasons why I am a fan of the IC stream, though. To go back to that part, and this is where you were kind of going with it, I think, Locke. Yeah. They just put. A bunch of good players playing good decks. 
And they did a good job of putting good players on who maybe we haven't heard of. And a lot of that came from, you know, putting Japanese players on. I assume any Japanese player making that trip was a very competent player. And from what I saw on stream, yes, they were all very good players. But like everyone was good. Everyone had good decks. And that's what matters. It's less of a, ooh, this person has a really fun deck. Well, do they have a matchup that they can win? Lugia always has a matchup it can win. I don't want to see 19 <laughs> rounds of Lugia. But Lugia is a pretty safe bet that it's going to give you a game at the very least. And I am a fan of that. I want to see the best players playing well. Yes, I'd love to see a Lunar Rock every now and then. Or a, what, Cherim Snorlax? That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> but uh, is it a good matchup, right? And the Cherim Snorlax did have a good matchup in the round they picked it. Limitless continuing to be more competent than tpci uh did put it on not the first round but the second round even though it lost because it had a pretty good matchup and it was a close game and that was fine right or close enough game i guess yeah um what else from the stream oh hegster i want to talk about hegster real quick i've had him on the pod a couple times spoiler they're gonna be on the pod again in the near future on the couch what do we think of Hegster on the couch? Because that was not what I expected his role to be, and I was a little disappointed at first. But uh, Nikhil, did it turn out to be? Did he do us proud? He has a great energy. He has a very similar energy, I think, to I know someone that Mel is a big fan of, who is Ross the Wasi. Yeah, um, <laughs> Ross has this amazing ability to just bring every game to life. Like our game is very dull if no one's, like, talking about it, because, again, I agree with the VGC players, a lot of what we do is shuffle. But the, Ross brings such a great energy to it, and Heggy is so animated, he's so lively when he's talking. He talks with his hands like I do, um, which I can appreciate, but he just had this great energy, and then he also did something that it was kind of weird, because what I learned was Daichi, one of the Japanese players that Heggy brought on stream, actually speaks a good amount of English. So that's why, like, that first question Heggy asked... Daichi went to answer in English before the translator got to it, because Daichi understood what it was, because for him, I've learned that a lot of the Pokemon-based questions, he can probably answer it back in English. Mm -hmm. But that was just something that, like, we don't get to experience as Americans, or anyone outside of Japan, is hearing from the Japanese players, because they have such a different mindset, they have such a different approach, their game entirely in Japan is structured differently than ours. Um, and that's something that like I really loved that Heggy did, but his energy was awesome. I loved it. I was pleasantly surprised that he did so well in that role. He's my age, which is crazy. That's nuts. He is <laughs> the same age as me, and he is like doing all that. So you know what, Heggy? Shout out to you, brother. But you ran a win a box, so good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, one one thing I wanna say that he does that none of the other couch guys do is that he can he knows the game so he he'll ask oh why did you play x card in this turn mm -hmm. where uh, all the other guys could just go uh oh well how do you feel going into your uh, next round and uh the rest of your day it's, yeah the, it's really the generic same, questions same questions over yeah yeah i was uh i for every reason everyone's already said i was a big fan <laughs> i think him getting the Japanese players on was incredibly cool. I thought it was I've, I'm going to use the word cute, even though if he's listening to this, he might absolutely hate that I use that word. It was super cute. The like true talking to and then adding things in Japanese because, you know, he's currently in university in Japan. He knows some amount, but live translations probably ridiculously difficult. <laughs> so you had to go through a translator, understandably. But then some of the stuff he was able to go back to. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's so amazing. Right. And then, like you said, uh, they talked about the Japanese players talked about the differences in our game. And that's something we always want to know. We look at the results of these tournaments. We go to the website and we're like, all right, what got top eight in the city league? And they're like, they said something that we all think, but it's good to hear from the other side. Best of three is so much more rewarding than best of one. You know, these are some of the top players in the world. It's something that, like I said, we all think it. We all are like, oh, I'm pretty darn sure this is true. But when people who play best of one exclusively come over to best of three and they're like, no, 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 this is in fact the better format to play. 
it's that extra like, okay, cool. This there really is a clear difference between the way that the game is played. And there are there's a lot of cool stuff. Go back and listen to the episode with Hexter if you haven't about the way that Japanese players approach the trading card game. I feel like it's way healthier and way more fun than the way hyper competitive Westerners approach the game. And you see that all the time with the mental fatigue and people like I hate this game, I'm quitting. And then they post a screenshot that they registered for the next regional three days later. And that's, you know, that that's not healthy. That's not healthy at all. <laughs> Uh, from the stream, was there anything else that really stood out to you from the stream? Other than I just really wanted to mention they stream round one and you don't freaking do that any other time. And I wish you would. Yeah. I think um, I was going to say Castro's okay. all did pretty well. And I want to say this again. Big fan of Wasi. Like I've been asked before, like, are you sarcastic? Because like when Wasi makes videos, he he just talks at a regular like, oh, you're new to the game type level. I really love the Wasi. Like he speaks to his audience and I'm no longer his audience, but I love his voice. I love what he does. And um, I don't know their name, but small on Twitter had tweeted out like, oh, Kyle and Wasi are a great duo. And I was like, is like, yeah, the energy he brings is amazing. Right. And then they responded like, I've never been so excited for someone to bench a Manaphy in my life. <laughs> and it's just like he, the fact he does that. I wish he would do every freaking event because he is him. And then Shay, who does the unofficial limitless ones, are the two people. European casters are just better is what I've learned from this, uh, who whatever happens is so cool shay you know hot chocolate i will always remember this one too he was talking to freya also had on the podcast before and she was explaining like this is what the control deck's gonna do and then they do it and then shay's like you told me what was gonna happen but i didn't realize it was actually gonna happen <laughs> it's like bro i love this yeah big fan of wasi lock you had something to say oh yeah and oh yeah People that bash the Wasi videos, it's the rating scale is is it is it worth owning the card for eventually the way into the future? Like, I think my go-to uh, example is Custom Catcher. Um, the first year it was out, it was terrible. It was unplayable. Yep. Rotation happens. <laughs> it goes to a nine-dollar card. And you just have to own the company. And like, I even talked to Tour at um, Orlando. He he looked through my binders because I just I just buy like pretty much every single trainer. And I was like, oh, I actually really needed a spongy glove at uh, for Worlds, but none no one at Limitless owned a card, so no one played it. And any damage, like you said, and I think this is one of those secrets to competitive play that everyone has to get. Any card with remote playability should be owned. Spongy gloves, you should own it. Why? It does damage modification. Why is damage modification good? It fixes math that you don't know exists yet. And in the case of spongy gloves, he they played. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To KO, yeah. But yeah, that's that is a good piece of advice for everyone. Don't look at cards for what they're good at now. Rate the cards. And this is what I do every set list. I rate based off. Uh, what's it called? Potential. Obviously, if something like is going to be good now, it gets a high score. But like Lost City, I think I put as my number two card from that set because I'm like, this is just one of the most broken stadiums ever printed. <laughs> like this, this card is disgusting. I don't care if it doesn't see play yet. Obviously, it is seeing play because it lets Mew beat things that it would never beat otherwise. But like, yeah, potential is such a big deal. And I think it's really one of those things that separates top players from other players of just like, oh, this card will be good. And that's why Sanders like, hey, this Lunatone from seven sets ago is actually really good in here. And everyone's like, the heck is it, bro? That's not, that's a card? <laughs> so OCIC stream, out of 10, I, th I feel like it was like, like an eight. I felt like this was one of the better streams we've had in terms of casters and streaming all the rounds and matchups they did. And I don't know, any disagreements on that one? No, I think they did a pretty good job. Uh, also, Chip and Kyle, I love because they are literally just giant children. Uh, I responded <laughs> to, to it. I think it was J-Love's tweet 
he was trying to interview Rahul for his vlog, and Chip and Kyle were like photobombing it in the background. And I said, for being dads, they are the biggest children on the planet, <laughs> and I love them because they bring such great insight to the game, but they also don't make it too serious. They keep it light, and that's what keeps the like, commentary fresh is that they're always cracking jokes. They're always making little like remarks. You know, They're bringing it back to old cards. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I loved what they did. Um, yeah, they did a great job with the casting this weekend. Anything else? My on? favorite part is, uh, is all the memes from Azul winning and the uh, picture of the final standing. <laughs> that, was, that was a good one. That was. Uh... <laughs> For those who don't know, Azul is proper tall, too. Yes. But everyone else on the stage is also a literal child. Child. So <laughs> it just makes it even better. <laughs> all right. Nikhil, if the people want more from you, where can they get you? Uh, Twitter, NK0HLI. That's it. Locke, what about you? Um, I have been streaming my uh, Phase 2 late nights the last two weeks. So, at uh, the lock with an uh, underscore in it. So. Shout out to the Arceus Mewtwo <laughs> that has been making Phase 2 of these tournaments as well. <laughs> uh, myself, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Mellow underscore Magikarp. The podcast you can follow at Lake of Rage Pod. Uh, be sure to do that because I'm going to start. I, we currently have the next handful of guests scheduled, but I'm going to start asking for suggestions on topics, guests, stuff like that. And uh, if you reply, look, I will probably listen to you. <laughs> the last podcast with the Pokey Dads, all of those were suggestions. I am super open to suggestions. You can also DM Nikhil, who. Uh, if you made it this far, you can know one of the secrets behind the scenes does 95% of the scheduling for the podcast. <laughs> and I just kind of show the, up. The amount of times Mel is like, hey, this person, this person, this person, these dates don't work for me. These dates don't work for them. Go. That's what I go do. And then um, it's really fun when some of those people are like Ethan Hagee who sleep while I'm awake and I'm awake <laughs> and I'm asleep while they're awake. And so it's very hard to find a time frame. Because also, I'm horrendous at math, and that includes time zones. <laughs> so trying to find a time, and like, I think I was scheduling for like, when daylight savings happened, that was a nightmare. But yes, DM <laughs> me if you have suggestions for the pod. I always like, just tell Mellow them. I either get belted or I get a thumbs up, so. And this has been another episode of the Lake of Rage podcast. We'll catch you all next week.